Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. Full C, senior. Yeah, it's a dimly lit room, all right. Deep within the bowels. Of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound. Hey, everybody. Today, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Volodymyr Zelensky and the brave Ukrainian people, plus the gender transition treadmill. Time to take it on in an earnest and serious way. The American people have finally become aware enough of this dangerous wildly irresponsible weird trend in society that they're now talking about it openly and saying whoa 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 they're doing that to children that ain't right so stay tuned for that awesome thanks for joining us today we have so much entormation a combination of entertainment information rarely seen anywhere it's as if they're woven together Our number for the day is 8.5. That's the number that just came out moments ago. That is the percent increase in cost of everything since a year ago. 
And uh, up. Well, heavens up. to Betsy. And that's the highest. <laughs> that's the highest number since 1981, month to month last year to this year. And uh, a good about a percent and a half increase from last month, which was also record setting. So congratulations, everybody. Um, Let's go, Brandon. You took about an hmm. 8% pay cut last month to this month. Are you making 8% more than you did last year? No, me neither. So, yeah. Uh, that's uh, painful. M- most of it energy prices, or a lot of it energy prices. We'll break it down a little, probably with the help of the Wall Street Journal later. But um, and gas. Are is... we talking about? Are you talking about the Putin price hike? Oh boy, the Putin price hike. Yeah, I noticed that at the store the other day. I was buying bacon. There was a Putin price hike. Yeah, I brought Just this. Keep saying it, White House. <laughs> I brought this up to a dude the other day, and he said something that I have said many times in my life. But uh, and I believe. Uh, as a theory, but I, I brought it up to a guy and he said, yeah, I try not to worry about things I can't do anything about. And then he went back to do whatever he's ever doing. The inflation mm-hmm. thing. Oh, it's just, you know, true. What are you going to do about it? But the same gentleman also said, yeah, I was uh, considering actually pulling my money out of the market because I just think we're due for a correction. Okay, wait a second. So there are degrees of things are changing, maybe I better adjust my sales that are worth doing. So worrying, that worry is a tough word. Where where is where does worry end and planning begin is always a, a tough one, and everybody has to make that decision for themselves. But uh, adjusting your sales, adjusting my sales, seems like a good idea. If we're going to take 8.5% pay cuts or more. Well, well uh, right. Yeah, I mean, you just have to, depending on your family budget, adjust sure. your sales. I went to the store for bacon, as I mentioned. I came home with a nice package of chicken beaks, which were considerably <laughs> less expensive. Chicken beaks. Mm, Did you mm, boil mm. them? Because that's the way I like them. Boiled chicken beets, beaks. I just uh, served them on the side of the plate with our uh, eggs easy over. Over easy. Well, you, you, boil, eggs. you boil them, and then the broth that comes off of that, you pour over the beaks like a gravy. Ah, see, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I just, I just served them as a side dish, and they were uh, crunchier than I expected. <laughs> like it's and coleslaw tasteless. or something. <laughs> <laughs> little, it's little, like eating corn nuts, but chicken ear. A little too beaky for me. <laughs> oh my! But anyway, yeah. So there's your, there's your new numbers, which we'll break down a little more this hour. Just fantastic. <sighs> It's just it's just so weird. I heard somebody talk about this the other day around something that happened in government. I don't remember what it was. But it was like, this has never happened before, but that's the era we live in. The this has never happened before is the era we live in. It's just it's just it's like every day. The era of the unprecedented. Yeah. When did that's, that start? That's disconcerting. I don't have it in me. I'm easily rattled. <laughs> Does it end sometime? Good God. Whether wars or inflation or the politics or you know slapping people at the Oscars or whatever, it's just all like all the rules have been thrown out the door. <laughs> Good list. Um, you know, it, it's. I was thinking of this. Uh, we were actually talking about it a bit yesterday. Sometimes when things appear to be going in the wrong direction and more and more people are becoming aware of it, that is right when things turn toward the right direction. And I believe to a large extent the craze of transgenderism among adolescent girls is an example of that not to get off on that tangent but whenever you're in a period where the pendulum has been swinging in a certain direction and it has been for quite some time it starts to feel like it will never cycle back that this isn't a cycle at all it's just we're careening headlong into a bizarre new future usually it corrects 
Uh, Fox's take on it is inflation overtakes labor shortage is top problem for small businesses. I'm sure, uh, yeah, they're both a big problem. Uh, yeah, lots of breaking news. Inflation, 40-year high. Uh, it's a record in March, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's start the show officially. We'll talk more about that later. What are you going to do? Uh, as this friend of mine who said, I try not to worry about things I can't control said, uh, we're all in the same boat. It's happening to everybody, so that is true. Um, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Tuesday, April 12th, the year 2022. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's leap into action then, officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go. The show begins at Mark. Drones telling people to stay home. Control your soul's desire for freedom, it says. Drones telling people to stay home. Control your desire for freedom. The drone announces Thank to you, you, Mr. Drone. Thank you. The drone says to you there in <laughs> Shanghai as you starve inside your apartment with the doors bolted shut. China. From the outside. Hey, honey, the drone outside just told us to control our desire for freedom. Can you, can you play that and, one more time? And for food, probably. Can you play that one more time, Michael? I want to make sure I get the phrasing just right. Drones telling people to stay home. Control your soul's desire for freedom, it says. Right. Drones, Your soul's desire. Right. Drones are telling the people of Shanghai who are starving to death, and their kids have been taken away from them, and they don't have any idea where they are, and they saw their little dog beaten to death in the streets with a shovel, if you've seen that video. What the frig? Anyway, and then the drone says to you, can uh, control your soul's desire for freedom. Get back in your house. You make a good point, drone. Thanks. Is there anybody like uh, on the edge uh, or still still wavering on the whole? Well, we're a bad country. BS that we had to live through for the past thirty years. Now that you've seen what Ugh. Russia does and what China does, do you see what do you see what bad countries actually look like? It's not that they don't have enough transgender bathrooms, or the the voting is only six weeks instead of seven weeks, like you want, or whatever it is. That we're acting like is just a horror. Look at these countries. This is two of the most powerful countries on earth acting the way Russia's acting and China's acting right now. It's just unbelievable. Uh, you make an excellent point and some good examples. Grievance drives people to the polls. Dr- grievance drives people to donate money to causes and candidates and the rest of it. And when you have so few legitimate grievances, you have to start whipping them up out of thin air. But yeah, now we're seeing some real grievances. Oh, you know, the China thing, I had forgotten. I was reminded reading uh, an account of the growing... Unrest is not nearly a good enough word for what's happening in Shanghai. Anguish, horror, and anger. Uh, that they still have that uh, that social media. What's it? What's it called? The big uh, their Facebook, mm. uh, Weibo or Kung Fu, or I can't remember what it was exactly. But they have the social media network, and people are, in spite of the risk to their social score. Because the, the government monitors that stuff. They are posting like crazy of their anguish and anger and, and the rest of it. So, you know, this, uh, the seeds of discontent don't grow very well in Chinese soil, but they sure are being planted. Well, if you're starving to death, you're willing to take a flyer on your little TikTok video or whatever it is. Indeed. How yeah. does mailbag look? Oh, it's it's taking shape. Uh, it's hard to say. Fantastic. So we got a lot of stuff. I've got like five days worth of stuff that I haven't talked about because uh, we took a couple days off and I was, in theory, skiing yesterday, but a snowstorm hit and you can't ski when there's a snowstorm going on. And so we all know. What? 
Sorry, uh, folks. Too much snow. No skiing. <laughs> oh, there were a lot of disappointed people. People that had traveled for, you know, I traveled a couple hours and had a good chunk of money invested in this trip that turned out to be no skiing. Man, there are people that traveled from around the world, people with foreign accents. What? What? We don't do this in Norway. We ski when it snows. You do not. Hmm. Anyway, uh, we'll catch up on all the news of the day. Hope you can stay with us. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I feel like I'm completely convinced now. Give the Ukrainians whatever the hell they want. There are enough military people, policy people, saying that. The time is now. I'll read from General Wesley Clark's op-ed. He was a former NATO commander. Stop waffling. I think Biden is being way too cautious. Give them whatever the hell they want. That's my current solid position. It's funny, I came to more or less the same condition, uh, I'm sorry, the same conclusion yesterday I was talking about it, and I'm trying very, very hard not to let my passions beat my guide, but it just, I don't think the risks of, well, I think the risks of inaction are every bit as high as the risks sure. of action, and probably much, much higher. Sure, sure. Well, we'll talk more about it coming up. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Quotes about war continuing. Blaise Pascal said, Can anything be stupider than that a man has the right to kill me because he lives on the other side of a river and his ruler has a quarrel with mine, though I have not quarreled with him? Good one. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll go on to mailbag. Speaking of all the Russians, well, Russian-speaking Ukrainians who are about to die over the next couple of weeks... What the hell? Yeah, one wonders what effect that might have on the uh, the population of the Russian-leaning parts of Ukraine. when if, they If they hear uh, about it. Yeah, right, or they actually feel the love of the motherland as the fighting gets out of control. Alex from Malala, Oregon writes, uh, on the topic of Cracker Jack and now at uh, the nation's ballparks, Cracker Jill. Yes. The story Jack brought us last uh, year. Or, I'm sorry, last week. Alex asks, is Cracker Jill not the Leia Thomas of the food mascots? You can change the name, but she still has nuts. Hey, wow. Hey, well played, Alex. Well played. You know, I don't, I'm not sure my kids have ever had Cracker Jack. That's just bad parents. It's a little old timey. What do you mean? It's caramel corn with peanuts. Yeah. But it's good. It's it's the salty and the earthy together with the sweet. I'm not sure the prize would live up to a modern child's expectations. <laughs> oh no, no! Wasn't that wasn't this the, is prize, the prize? Wasn't the prize in the cereal box really American children's introduction to cheap Chinese crap? Probably. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, we all pulled around a wagon that uh, a little red wagon dad had to save for a month to buy us for Christmas, but that would last until the next ice age, right? Our toys were durable as hell. If you were writing Tonka a truck, if you were you writing, kidding? if you were writing a book, it would be the threat of China, and then the has to be sentence underneath the title of the book. 
how my children's Cracker Jack prize explained globalization or something. Hmm. Hmm. We might have. Yes. We will have to play. We will absolutely do that. Let's commit to this. We'll play Jimmy Fallon telling the story of having Cracker Jack with Jack Nicholson. It's definitely worth hearing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Did not see that. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, I read a uh, part of a Jonah Goldberg piece yesterday in which he was laying out his view of the America he would like, and uh, I thought it was very good and persuasive. It led to a good conversation. Uh, but John uh, writes, he says, uh, uh, you know, with all due respect to the piece, this is a mistake both sides make. Um, and conservatism will continue to lose until it abandons this tack. The American way is to cite freedom. Save for the actual federal powers granted by we the people in the Constitution, the fact that the Tenth Amendment makes the federal government, uh, says it only has the authorities listed in the Constitution, etc. We are supposed to be free. Free people who don't want to work will still get hungry. Free people who don't plan for their own retirement will become destitute. Free people who don't prioritize and fund their own children's education will still have illiterate children. America is the belief that freedom will still result in a better outcome than other outcomes brought about by any other means. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, the reason, uh, what, what is the government supposed to do? You ask. Give me stuff. 10,000 Americans that question. Probably two of them will say, protect my liberty. Which is the actual answer to the question. Give me but, stuff. Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh, take money from people who have too much and give it to people who don't have enough. John finishes, let people be free, truly free, and the outcomes will be better individually and better as a whole. That's the idea of the United States of America. The hard part is leaving other people alone. Oh, my God. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is still going on. Opening statements today. I didn't know that. So we're going to hear some oh, crazy stuff. One. We're going to hear some crazy stuff. Oh, Oh, boy. Remember the whole poop in the bed? Yeah, we'll hear more craziness out of that trial. Can the two of those kids get some counseling or something? You keep your money. You keep your money. You shut up about her. You shut your pie hole about him. You stop. Can we all move on? You stop pooping in my bed. Wow, that aspect of it has really captured your imagination. All right. Uh, Moving along. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) Which one of these do we want to do? They're both about education. Listen to this. This is uh, from Cal Unicornia. Um, It's from uh, one of our beloved listeners whose mom has been a teacher, uh, not, not terribly far from the radio ranch, for more than 40 years, about 40 years. The change in attitude throughout her career has made her almost numb to her passion. Instead of helping children, and these are young children, second graders, to learn, her superiors have seemingly changed their curriculum to just move people through, move them through. The number of immigrant students who do not speak any English at all, but are moved through school all the way to eighth grade is astonishing. Wow. Of course, it isn't really the child's fault, but the school system makes no real effort to teach English to the younger students. I've seen her grade papers, and she'll randomly crumple and throw away a test from a student. I ask her why she did that. She says... He doesn't know English, and I don't speak Russian. How could I grade him? I've always found that astonishing that the system has these students take tests like they know what they're reading. They don't read or write our language. Uh, She said if she could go back in time, she'd never be a teacher because of how she is treated. That is what's happening in California public schools. What's with enrolling a kid that doesn't speak a word of English? (laughs) What the hell is going on? I can't imagine dropping my kid in Berlin at at a school and saying he doesn't speak German. Go ahead and educate him. How are we supposed to do that? They should say. Well, and then when you go to the teacher, uh, uh, Frau Blucher, and say, how's my students doing? They say, oh, yeah, straight A's. We're passing them on to third grade. 
Who wins? Who does that help? Latest news on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Mariupol lies destroyed. Tens of thousands have been killed there. And still, the Russians won't end their offensive. They want to make an example out of Mariupol as a city ruined. This will be a very different fight to what we've seen so far. This may look more like the Second World War, large pitched battles with formations of tanks and artillery going up against each other. And that is a situation that may favor the Russians. It means they will be fighting a lot closer to their borders. Their supply lines will be a lot shorter than they have been previously. And the Ukrainians won't be able to carry out the kind of guerrilla warfare, the kind of hit and run tactics that they have used so successfully around Kiev. A different kind of battle, which is why the Ukrainians need a different kind of weaponry, which is why a lot of people, including former commander, supreme commander of NATO, General Wesley Clark, was writing in the New York Post over the weekend. I'll read the final line first because I think it is so good. If we seek to avoid World War III, this is the moment to arm Ukraine. That's the argument that is turning me from so many different people. Let me read just a little more from that, and then we can discuss. The time to arm Ukraine is right now, a crucial window for Kiev and the world. Ukraine needs heavy weapons and air support. This is from a former NATO Supreme Commander, by the way. So he he obviously is not uh, writing this with deep concerns about NATO getting pulled into the war. Uh, We need to give them tanks, multiple launch rockets, self-propelled artillery, air support, MiGs, Sukhoi aircraft, I don't know that word, mobile air defenses, everything they need. The U.S. supplied javelins and stingers are necessary, but no longer sufficient. This is a short window of opportunity we have to avoid World War III. And this other guy, uh, we might get him on the show at some point, guy named Crowder. He's uh, got a book out about Russia. Um, I won't waste time as a background right now, but that was the argument he was making on MSNBC last night and this morning, that if Putin wins... By doing whatever the hell he wants, he's going to just continue to go further. And then we absolutely, at some point, we will have to confront him. So why not confront him now as opposed to after, you know, another half million people are dead. And then we confront him because he finally got into a NATO country. Right. And he would spend the time in the interim rearming and, and uh, fixing some of the problems his military had. You know, these are it's it, it reminds me very much of playing poker. You just don't know what's in the other person's hand and what their intentions are. But it is extremely troubling. Uh, the idea of letting a an aggressive expansionist war criminal in the 21st century get his way just to avoid angering him. That sort of thing is played out over and over in history, and it ends badly. And it's so hard to get there because the voices, and they're reasonable voices, saying, look, he just wants some chunks of Ukraine. It kind of used to be sort of the same country. He'll stop there. They're of good conscience. They're not bad people. You can't assault them for for saying that. But at the same time, it just the the uh, the crocodile that is Vladimir Putin. I don't think he'll be sated at all with carving off a bit of Ukraine. Well, and uh, as many people have pointed out, the first 
two or three times he took chunks of Ukraine and the world did nothing. Um, how has that turned out? Uh, you stopped him then, and he realized, I guess you can't just go around taking chunks of countries. I didn't. I guess I was wrong. Uh, he got the message from the world, you can take chunks of countries, and we're going to send him that message again, even after you slaughter men, women, and children, maybe used chemical weapons, bombing hospitals, hundreds of times, by the way, they've bombed hospitals, they're now examples of, and you're just going to send the message to a guy like him, you can do that, because you got nuclear weapons, so go ahead. That's how you well, end up at World War Three. And the uh, the examples of Georgia, Crimea, and the other eastern regions of Ukraine are, are you have to mention that because when you realize, okay, no, he didn't just take a couple of chunks of Ukraine this time. This is like the fourth time, right? And he keeps going back for more. Speaking of uh, the war crimes and men, women, and children, and that sort of thing, what is it about us human beings that we need a picture to crystallize an idea in our heads or a video or whatever? We've talked about this in the past. You can have some NFL star beat the hell out of his uh, his girlfriend. And people are like, oh, that's wrong. They should do something about that, blah, blah, blah. But then when an elevator video surfaces, people go crazy. It's not like they lacked the understanding of what had happened. They just needed to see it. Had the same experience myself during the commercial break. There's a, a, a photo that's gone wild on Instagram of what Ukrainian mothers and fathers are doing. And this happened to be a little girl. She's probably two years old. Um, you see her bare back, and she's wearing uh, what her parents probably call uh, her big girl pants. She's graduated from diapers to, you know, your your huggies or whatever. Uh, you know, uh, what do you call those things with the kids that they wear just in case they have an accident? Mm. Um, but her name and her address and her information are written on mark with marker on her bare back in case she's killed or her parents are killed. Oof. So people will know who she is. That's right. That's what they're having to do with their little children. And that just grabbed me by the heart and the guts. Just unreal. Just the unspeakable evil you thought was left in the dustbin of history. It's unfolding right now. In a couple of places, but obviously getting a lot of attention in Ukraine. Here's an emotion I had yesterday. I thought it was interesting. It was on the story of the Russians are regrouping for um, a real assault on the eastern part of Ukraine. And everybody's expecting this to be like a new level of awful, which is hard to even picture what that would be. And they got all the, the, the tanks and everything uh, lined up and the supplies and the soldiers and all that different sort of stuff. And you were talking yesterday about, you know, we don't you don't want to let your emotions get uh, out front of your logic and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, that's always a good idea. But I was thinking, how would I react if I saw or heard breaking news? The U.S. Air Force has begun bombing that line of tanks. My first thought wouldn't be, oh, no, what does this lead to? My first thought would be, F yeah, F you, dude. Now you got it. Now you got what you wanted. Enjoy this. Yes, I almost dropped an S-bomb. My first emotion would be, finally, we're kicking their asses. No more of this. This is not going to stand in the world. That'd be my first thought. I eventually would think, I wonder if this world leads to World War III. Is he going to use nukes? Blah, blah, blah. But my first thought would be, hell yeah. I don't know if that's good or not. But General Wesley Clark, who knows a lot more about it than me, running NATO, and a different former NATO uh, commander on MSNBC has been saying for weeks, give them the planes. Give them whatever they need. As I said yesterday, it's a damn shame that we have the weak, weak need leadership that we do. It's that bad at care. I mean, 
the infamously wrong about everything Joe Biden in charge, taking cautious half measures, uh, you know, and I hear some of you, what do you guys want to get us into a war? You're warmongers, you're neocons, whatever. Yeah, and I'm aware of the arguments. I hear you. So if you're going to guess, just looking at the people in charge, just kind of an overall vision of you got Biden in charge and underneath him, Blinken and Sullivan. If you were going to guess, do you think those people are likely to go too far or not far enough? I'll answer in this way. Without a doubt. Putin constantly probes to find either weakness, softness, or, or steel. He is finding softness over and over and over again. In answer to your question. Without a doubt, that is a trio leading this that will go not far enough. Yeah. Yeah. Stop waffling, says General Wesley Clark. I agree. Boy, our leadership is weak right now. I mean, Trump was nuts, but he wouldn't take any ass out of pride. You know, and, and he was an egomaniac, still is. Um, and, and maybe some of it was for the song, uh, for the wrong reasons. But there was not a foreign power in the world that thought, hey, let's mess with the United States right now and see what we get. They're like, no, why don't we wait? <laughs> why don't we wait till this guy's out of office? And we have the opposite right now, and it's really, really troubling. So General Clark's argument in the New York Post is we've got a couple of weeks to finally make the decision to give them the planes, give them the tanks, give them the whatever they need to turn the tide on this war, or Russia gets the upper hand, they're back at Kiev again, no more prime minister walking the streets, but Kiev's surrounded again, and uh, and China sees this and thinks, well, I guess you can do whatever you want now, uh, as long as you got nuclear weapons, and just the world gets way uglier if Russia succeeds in the next couple of weeks in this battle. Well, these are some major decisions people are being uh, having to make, and we got a very old man making them. Yeah, new uh, Joe Biden tape out that's uh, not good. Uh, we'll play that for you uh, in a moment or three. Uh, Thomas Friedman wrote a piece in the New York Times the other day that I thought was really interesting. You know, we're talking about how th- the direct conflict in that part of the world between Russia and Ukraine is so troubling. Nobody's sure what to do. Do we take strong measures? Blah, blah, blah. It's much, much broader than that, though. Um, he says, it's hard to believe, but now impossible to deny that the broad framework that kept much of the world stable and prospering since the end of the Cold War has been seriously fractured by Putin's invasion of Ukraine. In ways we hadn't fully appreciated, a lot of the framework rested on the West's ability to coexist with Putin as he played the bad boy, testing the limits of the world order, but never breaching them at scale. But with Putin's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, his indiscriminate crushing of its cities, mass killings of civilians, he went from bad boy to war criminal. And when the leader of Russia, a country that spans 11 time zones with vast oil, gas, and mineral resources and more nuclear warheads than anyone else, is a war criminal and must henceforth be treated as a pariah, the world as we've known it has profoundly changed. Nobody, Nothing can work the same. Few examples. How does the world have an effective U.N. with a country led by a war criminal on the Security Council who can veto every resolution? That's a very good question. How can that ever work again? How does the world have any effective global initiative to combat climate change and not be able to collaborate with the biggest landmass country on the planet? Can't work with them at all. How does the U.S. work closely with Russia on the Iran nuke deal when we have no trust and barely any communication with Russia? We can't, obviously. How do we isolate and try to weaken a country so big and so powerful, knowing that it could be dangerous if it more dangerous if it disintegrates than if it's strong? And how do we feed and fuel the world at reasonable prices when a sanctioned Russia is one of the world's biggest exporters of oil, wheat, and fertilizer? The answer is, we don't know, 
which is another way of saying we're entering a period of geopolitical and geoeconomic uncertainty, the likes of which we have not known since 1989 and possibly 1939. Whoa! And I don't think that's hyperbole. Um, I've read a number of articles with the headline, the globalization is over. Well, globalization had a run there for quite a while. What what does the world look like without globalization, where you have different spheres of influence that you only operate in those spheres because they're such enemies? Well, we're about to find out, I guess. And it, it doesn't seem like we have any alternative at this point. Certainly what, are we not. Stay uh, junkies to Chinese heroin in terms of manufacturing and cheap junky goods we probably shouldn't have gotten in the habit of buying anyway. You know, are we going to be, uh, please, uh, Germany, I'll let you, uh, Germany answer this one. Are you going to continue to be beholden to Vladimir Putin for the lifeblood of your economy, your 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 uh, energy? Absolutely not. Well, hey, welcome to the new era. So um, we should talk about, do you, do you know why? I haven't heard this, why Elon Musk decided not to be on the board of Twitter. Do you know the answer to that? Yeah. Good. Yeah. I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. Um, oh, yeah, Elon and I spoke last night. Okay. He called me for advice again. So we chatted. Do you call him Plus, Elon? Yes. I call him Elon. A guy I talked to a couple weeks ago who actually interviewed with him called him Elon. So, of course, he was from another country. Well, I call him E-Train when we're E-Train. talking. E-Train. Yo, yo, E-Train, what's up? Yep, generally. Yeah. Plus, I want to pay off what I hinted at at the opening of the show. The world is waking up to the insidious unhealthy, evil, whisking of confused children down the path of gender uh, change. People are waking up, they're starting to talk about it in an honest way, and that absolutely awful era of people being afraid to say, hey, this seems crazy, that era is over. And we'll break down the new record high inflation numbers. Uh, See what that means. Oof! Oh, and then we'll get to the good news. Then we'll get to all the good news that we've got oh. stacks and stacks of good news that will uh, bring that out then. We'll take your recipes for chicken beaks and p- pig feet, since that's the only meat we can afford. <laughs> oh, jeez. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's a good, good day to be at Kmart. Kmart, Wow. Old-timey Kmart jingle. That's the Kmart jingle. As the news came out yesterday that there are now three Kmarts left in America. Is that right? Three. Wow. Three in the United States. If you're over, well, if you're under a certain age, you've never been in a Kmart, and you barely know what we're talking about. But if you're over a certain age, Kmart was the store. It was your Target or your Walmart. It's where you went once a week. Oh, yeah, it was Walmart before there was Walmart. There was one in every town in America. It was a revelation. They were amazing. They were huge. They sold you cheap uh, Asian manufactured goods. And and to my mind, I was thinking back to my childhood. They may have started, with all the best intentions, some, some trends in American culture that probably aren't healthy at all. 
you know, I don't, I, I'm sure you have more information on this, but um, it, it went from you saved money and used your precious resources on good quality things that would last to everybody could buy everything. It was junky and it wouldn't last. But everybody had the toy and the grill and the, the beach towels and the I'm trying to picture everything we bought at Kmart. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it kind of lowered the bar for making financial decisions. Um, everybody went to Kmart, says this author about uh, American business. Whether you liked it or not, they had everything. The toys, the sporting goods, candy, stationery, whatever you were looking for, they had it at Kmart. Uh, this reporter visited one of the three remaining Kmarts. God, when was the last time I was in a Kmart? It would have to be decades. Anyway, this reporter was in a Kmart. The familiar sights and sounds are still there. The scuffed and faded floor tiles, the relentless beige on beige color scheme, the toddler clothes, refrigerators, and pretty much everything in between. That's right. Toddlers clothes and refrigerators all at the Kmart. They even have the canned recording that begins, attention Kmart shoppers, except now it's COVID-19 precautions rather than a blue light special in ladies' lingerie. (laughs) That's right, the blue light special. Man, you'd see that blue light and think, oh my God, I'm here at the right time. What is it? What is Is on sale? Is it charcoal? Is it (laughs) braziers? Is it fake astroturf greeting mats? Let's go, let's go, let's find out. Hula hoops or a power screwdriver? Which is it? <laughs> um, I think it's an interesting uh, look at, uh, what do they call that? Mitt Romney used that term and got killed for it when he was running for president. It's constructive deconstruction or whatever it is that happens in uh, capitalism. Yeah. Um, where, uh, you know, other businesses came along and did Kmart better. And it didn't, uh, didn't wasn't able to compete and then it went away. And uh, other things have taken over, and that's the way capitalism is supposed to work. Yeah, yep, indeed, indeed. Nothing is meant to last forever. This is pretty good. Except the earth and sky, according to the band Kansas. This is a pretty good paragraph here about Kmart. In its heyday, Kmart sold product lines endorsed by celebrities like Martha Stewart and Jacqueline Smith. What of Charlie's Angels? It sponsored NASCAR auto races and was mentioned in movies like Rain Man and Beetlejuice. It was name-dropped in songs by Eminem and the Beastie Boys and Hall & Oates. In 2003, Eminem bought a 29-room suburban Detroit mansion that was once owned by the former Kmart chairman Chuck Conaway. Wow. Because that was a big deal. Kmart is not a big deal anymore. Wow. I remember the last Kmart I was in was the one right by the Radio Ranch, just yeah. just over uh, yonder in the hood. Uh, yeah, I, that was in its final days too. It was not uh, not healthy, and I walked in there and people looked at me like, "What are you doing in here?" Yeah, yeah, one, <laughs> one thing I, I I didn't you know go to business school or anything to understand how do you even end up with like three left? Why are those three left? What what on the balance sheet and the taxes and everything like that is even worth? Why are there even three that exist? Why is the company still here? Uh, ask the manager of that one blockbuster video store in Bend, Oregon. Maybe he knows the answer. <laughs> yeah, that's what they need to do. They need to find the one last Kmart that becomes kind of, you know, like uh, the, the retro cool and people buy T-shirts and get their pictures taken in there next to the blue light. My first word as a baby was Kmart. Michael's first word as a baby Kmart. was Kmart. Kmart. <laughs> yep. Wow, the consumerism of the 1980s. <laughs> I used to something. go with my mom all the time to Kmart. Kmart. Oh, Kmart. that's fantastic. Wow. Wow. And look at you. Y'all wear a t-shirt every day. <laughs> but you knew you were a boy at the time, or did you think you were a girl? Which is a transition to hour two, which is coming up. Stay tuned. Strong and Getty.
Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.